Hello and welcome to the First Generation Professionals Podcast, the show where we celebrate the journeys, successes, and stories of individuals who have paved the way in the professional world, breaking barriers, and shattering stereotypes along the way. I'm Sarah Cortez, the host for today's episode, and we have a remarkable guest joining us today, Milena Flores. She is not just a groundbreaker, but a shining example of what it means to be a first-generation professional. She has defied the odds, overcome obstacles, and created her own unique path to success in her field. We'll dive deep into her journey, thoughts, and advice throughout this episode, and we're confident that her journey will inspire you as much as it has inspired us. So, have a seat, get comfy, grab a friend, and prepare to be thrilled as we embark on a journey of resilience, determination, and triumph with our exceptionally talented guest, Milena Flores. Milena, I'd like to thank you for agreeing to this interview. Your expertise is greatly appreciated. Oh, of course. I'm so happy to be a part of this. Thank you. Uh, thank you for having me today. Of course. Uh, let's get this interview started by, if you could please provide a brief overview of your educational background and professional experience, such as where did you go to school? What was your major? Where do you work now? How did you get into that position? And how did you get into your specific field? Okay. Um, I'm an older person, so it's a, it's a long journey <laughs> for me at this point. Um, I was a, a public school kid, grew up in the public school system, um, but also really loved basketball. Uh, I ended up getting uh, a scholarship uh, to go to school and play basketball at Stanford University in the kind of in the late 90s. Um, graduated from Stanford with a degree in political science uh, and then thought I was going to go to like when I originally started school, I was like, maybe I'll go to law school. And I really enjoyed my con law classes the most. Um, then realized I just didn't want to be a lawyer. Uh, so didn't do that right away. Uh, I ended up playing professionally for a little bit um, in the WNBA and then overseas for a season. Um, and then realized I wanted to like uh, get back to the real world a little bit more, um, but had a little bit of a transition there. I ended up being a college basketball coach for a while. Uh, bounced around in a few places. I was at the University of the Pacific, wanted to get out east, had never lived out there before because uh, I grew up in Snohomish, Washington. Uh, so I coached at places like Lehigh, Yale, uh, and Princeton, um, and then realized that I wanted to have more of, I think, a consistent and daily impact uh, with first-gen students. An interaction, I guess, with first-gen students. I uh, started looking up college access nonprofits. I also wanted to get back home. It had been a really long time since I'd been around my family and my parents and my younger brother and sister. Uh, so I found Rainier Scholars in the Seattle area, and that's exactly what they do. Uh, it's essentially a 12-year program based on college access and career launch and a little leadership development as well. Uh, and it's just been the perfect fit for me as we uh, work with students and families uh, to get them the most amount of options they have, both in terms of getting into an independent school or a public school as they're going through middle school through high school. And then um, once they're in college as well, uh, we I work directly with the college students, um, just navigating all that is college because it can be so different 
um, especially for uh, students of color in predominantly white spaces uh, as they figure out their pathways and um, and really uh, kind of see everything that they can be and understanding that they absolutely deserve to be there. Thank you so much. Uh, regarding your educational background as a first-gen student, did this influence any of your choices that you made along your journey? And did any specific factors play a role in that? I, I, I would say it was the primary reason that I'm working uh, where I am right now. Um, like as a basketball coach, it didn't it didn't as much, but like it informed the way that I interacted with um with the students I, I worked with, with the athletes that I worked with uh, every day. They weren't all first-gen students, but the ones who were, I always had kind of a, a little bit more of a special connection with them, um, just in terms of like of mentorship and just understanding where they were coming from and kind of like what their days looked like a little bit more. Um, so it, it absolutely informed everything that, I, that I've done and especially the work that I'm doing right now. Regarding joining the workforce, how is your experience understanding organizational culture and immersing yourself in this new journey? Can you give me an example? I want to make sure that I'm answering it like in a way that's coherent to the question. Like, um, uh, you know, what would be like just an example for you uh, with that? Uh, just like from going say, because in your journey, it seems like you went to school for polyscience and then you went into the WNBA and then you were a basketball coach. And then now you're going into like the workforce. How is just like all of that impacting the way that you understand being part of the organizational workforce, such as being like a part of Rainer Scholars? Um, thank you. Thank you for that clarification. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I think all of those experiences, have, you know, have, have impacted the way that I, I approach my my job and the, the the various teams that I'm on at Rainier Scholars. Um, you know, I think like learning to collaborate and self-advocate, um, those were really important. I think um, you know, when you're when you're on a team, there's different times where uh, like in, in any form, like on, on any sort of like a work team or a sports team, there are times where you're leading, there are times where you're learning a lot um, by um, by other people leading. You know, I think there's there's many times where you learn. I might not, I'm not the best at this. <laughs> so it's time for me to learn a little bit more. Um, so I think that's all. I think the biggest piece for me, I think just in, especially being a first-gen student who would like first in my family to, to be a part of any of these structures was just help being on a team helped me uh, have a smaller community. Um, and then a team that like, you know, accepted me and it's like saw my worth and value right away um, was, was fantastic. And so I think that's always an important thing when I, when I go to a new, new space is, um, really leaning into collaboration and listening and valuing um, just all of the various strengths that different people are bringing into it. Thank you so much. Do you feel as if you were equipped with the appropriate resources to succeed in life in and after university? Um, I think I, I think I was and, and um, I think I could have really 
uh, utilize those resources a lot better <laughs> when I when I was in college. There were so many things that I just I didn't know. I didn't know how important it was to go to career services or um, you know there weren't as many um, uh, kind of like job search uh, kind of tools out there um, in terms of networking, but just understanding what that was. I didn't even understand what a lot of the like jobs were. There were people who were going into uh, you know, consulting. A lot of people in college were going into consulting. I had no idea what that was. Uh, you know, people were talking about it and like speaking a language that I didn't really understand, like a college language um, that I didn't understand. And so um, I was, de- I definitely felt kind of thrown into a space where I just, I didn't know all the rules. And eventually I did learn them and it was helpful being, um, being on the basketball team was helpful because there's people in all, you know, there's first year, sophomores, junior, seniors. So you can like, you know, you can reach out and kind of ask them questions in a safe space. Um, so eventually I did feel equipped, but I certainly wasn't when I started. Were there any specific professors or mentors during your time at university or even later in life too, who significantly impacted your intellectual development? Um, I would say the person that I, that always comes to mind for me, um, for my time at Stanford was Professor Barker, who was our, the con law professor. Um, he was, um, so an older black man, um, uh, teaching con law and he just, he just, uh, commanded a room, but also was incredibly, uh, welcoming me like in con law, it's like you're raising your hand and you're contributing and, and he wanted to hear every voice. Um, and it was a really, I would say because of who he was and the strength of his classroom, the strength of his teaching, um, it was, it was a really, uh, diverse classroom as well. Uh, so that just, I think there's a reason it was my favorite class, uh, while I was there. Did you participate in any extracurricular activities or organizations such as internships, part-time jobs that helped shape your career path? Great question. That is one of my big regrets. I wish that I had done that more. Um, I um, I did stay on campus over the summers, but a lot of that was like I was doing basketball camps. I was just really singularly minded, but it was also just not understanding how important it was. It wasn't like I was like basketball is the only thing. It was just the only thing I knew, and I. Uh, I didn't know and also didn't, I think, have the confidence in myself to like go out and seek, um, seek out those internships, uh, like, you know, just go to the go to the career center and, and put myself out there that way. I really wish I had done that. I think I just think that it's like very interesting just to see like specifically like your career path in which you were doing this and then also like basketball at the same time. I think that is very admirable. So honestly, I do not blame you at all for not being able to do like clubs or other things like that, because that is a lot. That's a very daunting task. Um, it, it was a lot. It does take up a lot of time. And I absolutely loved it. Uh, absolutely <laughs> have a passion for it. You know, it's clearly made it a large part of kind of the first part of my career in life um, before the, my career change. Um, so it, it did take up a. It took up a lot of time, but I. But I did love it. You're. You're right. I just. I do think. Um, you know, thinking back on it now, not in. Not a full regret, but just thinking back on it now, it's like 
I could have done a little, I, I definitely could have done a little bit more and I could have put myself out there a little bit more. Um, but I just didn't, I just didn't know. And I think I needed, I needed, uh, I needed a push that way. And I just didn't get that. push. What kind of challenges did you find building networks and connection as a first gen student? Great question. Um, I think a lot of it is, um, I think a lot of networks, especially as a younger person, are from like the people your parents know, <laughs> um, that sort of thing, or uh, the people your friends know. Um, and so if you're growing up in a community where there, uh, you know, it's a lot of, you uh, a lot of people who haven't gone to college before, those networks, th those are those are great, loving, supportive networks, but they're not necessarily ones that are going to kind of launch you or help launch you in terms of career things. Um, and so I think as a first-gen student, it's um, learning how to expand those networks while you're in college. And you really have to step outside of your comfort zone uh, to do that sometimes. Um, because you're not going to see as many people who necessarily like might look like you or you know who they are, right? You don't have that uncle who, you know, went to UCLA and, you know, is hooking you up with an internship from his buddy who went there and they were in the fraternity together, you know? So um, you have to, you really have to build, like you're almost building that web you know, from scratch, um, which is absolutely, you're, you're able to do it, but it's just, it's a little bit, it's a little bit harder when um, you don't know as many people to start out with. Right. Thank you so much. So were you able to overcome like these barriers and establish meaningful relationships with peers, faculty, or professionals? If so, how did you establish meaningful relationships with them? Um, I, I definitely did. And I think like my, my cheat code to all of it was like, was being on a team, um, cause there was just a lot of different people there. There were other first gen, uh, students, um, as teammates, there are a lot of people who, um, you know, whose parents are, you know, had kind of like generations of, of family members who had gone to school. So, uh, I was able to lean on, on a lot of different folks and a lot of different ages, uh, to, you know, to help, to help build that, to help build my confidence um, and, and build a network too. Thank you so much. So what does being a first-generation professional mean to you? It's, it's something that I'm like, I'm so proud of it um, because I like, I know I can be, uh, you know, I can be a face that, you know, someone like who's done it before. Oh, I have, you know, I, you know, I get it. I get to speak. I, I can definitely speak to that. Um, but, you know, it's it's also about, you know, passing along the message that, you know, you, you can do it and it doesn't have to be, it doesn't have to be the path that I necessarily took, but there's just so many ways that it can be done. And if I can be just somebody to talk through a difficult situation, if I can use my mistakes to help someone understand, like, you're going to make them, <laughs> you're going to make some mistakes. It's okay. You know, like use, like use my mistakes to, you know, to build on, uh, and, you know, maybe take, take some different, better paths than, than maybe I did. I think just being that, being that example and being like an, an imperfect example as well. Right. It's like, you're not aspiring to some impossible idea. You know, it's just being an actual person that someone can have a conversation with is important. Thank you so much. I love this idea of being an imperfect example because I feel like a lot of like first gen students while they're in college think that they need to be perfect. 
that they need to establish, they need to reach like these like high goal, like high achievements that maybe they aren't going to be able to do like their first time or second time or third time. It's going to take a lot of times to like really get through it and to establish like what their goals actually are versus like what they think they need to be doing. Mm -hmm. They just need to like go with what their goal is, no matter what that goal is. Yes, absolutely. I think that's one of the things that like I get to talk to uh, a lot of uh, college students about is like college is the best place to kind of like change your mind. It's the best place to, you know, fail a little bit. It's the best place to take some risks. Um, You know, I think a lot of a lot of first gen students when they're growing up, they you know, they're like, I'm, you know, I'm good in school. So I'm going to be a doctor or an engineer or a lawyer. And there's like the three things that, you know, you're like, those are careers I know. And then, so you say that. And then by the time you're 18, 19, you're like, I know I've been saying this for, you know, eight, 10 years, but I don't even like that anymore. You know? And it's like, it's okay to step away from that and do something entirely different. That is your passion and your pathway. Um, I think that's like, that's a really important thing that we talk about. And I think the other one is like, just not being afraid to ask for help, right? Go to office hours, talk to peers. Um, That's not a sign. You know, I I think people are afraid sometimes like I'm going to look weak or I'm going to look like I don't, like I'm not smart enough to belong here. Um, So trying to get rid of uh, that stigma and realizing that you've earned the right to ask for help, I think is, is a big one. Thank you. I think that just like not being afraid to ask for help is such like a giant thing that a lot of first gen people have, not only for the reasons that you mentioned, but also because they think, oh my gosh, I am going to bother this person. I I can't do that. I can't bother this person. This person's like, they know what they're doing. I don't know what I'm doing at all. So why should I go and ask for help from this person who knows everything and my mere presence is going to disturb them? Yes. Yes. And so we we have to break through that barrier. We try to do that as soon as possible. Um, but yes, that that's exactly it. Like, you know, you we've we've earned that right to to ask for help and to take to take someone's time. And they get to take our time too, right? So it's a mutual situation. <laughs> Thank you so much. How has your education influenced your worldview, critical thinking skills, and personal growth? I I mean, I think going to going to college is just a way that just really opens up your your thinking and your eyes and um, everything, your senses to a lot of different things. Um, I remember like in the first week, just in my in the dining hall, I would like there was so much food I'd never even seen my whole life. <laughs> so <laughs> just in that way, um, it changed. But it was just like it's college I I believe is still just a really great place uh, for an exchange of ideas like in classrooms but also in your dorm or you know in different community spaces you know in, in a in affinity groups or in groups around um, a major or a radio uh, you know a radio station that's I think that is one of the the best things about college is that exchange of ideas and it's in a and it's a good safe space because they think it's okay to disagree and like, you know, continue to grow um, in that way. So going to college really, I just, I loved, I've always loved learning and you know, college was just an explosion of learning for me. Um, and then, you know, stepping out into the world with uh, just way more experiences, hearing the experiences of others, just having a really open mind. Um, 
was has been big to kind of everything I've done outside of it. Has your education shaped your perspective on like various issues or expanded like your knowledge of the world just in general? If so, could you provide like an example or so, please? An example of how my education has like changed my like was it? I want to check that or, or like shape. I mean shaped. I meant to say shape. Like, no, I'm so sorry. It can be no. It can be the same. Um, one and the same. Sometimes um, I try to think of an example. I mean, I would say that I, I like again. I, I I love my public school education, but we we missed a few things, especially in history. Um, I would like I would say one of those was one of the things I never never even learned about until college was Japanese internment no idea about it, you know, and then learned a good amount, really, you know, my eyes were opened to, to that. And I think in a way that speaks more broadly to just becoming a little bit more of a citizen of the world while in college, you know, we like have a very, I I grew up in a smaller town. And so it was just a smaller focus, you know, very, uh, I don't want to say like U.S. centric, but like yeah, just like an Anglo-centric sort of, uh, you know, lessons. So that just, it just, I was able to just like really, it, like it opened up my my eyes to that beyond, you know, what was what was taught and what I thought, what I thought was just like a very narrow view of what history was. <laughs> uh, and then realizing how, how that shapes way more things outside of, outside of this country as well. How did your experience as a first-gen student shape your understanding of your own identity and cultural heritage? I think one of the things that I'm so grateful for just growing up is that my parents um, always ensured uh, to give us, like my brother and my sister, myself, this incredible amount, incredible amount of pride in being Mexican-American, you know, and in being Chicana. Uh, so that like having that pride of who I was and that that confidence in my culture and that like I felt that like I brought I was bringing something special to the table I was bringing something to be celebrated that that was huge for me and I think it continues to be something that's really important for any person of color when they're in a space where they're in the minority which is most of the time and professional spaces, colleges, is just to, to walk into that with just like a really, um, a really strong sense of self. And I feel like I've, I always have had that. I'm just really grateful for that. In what ways did your first gen background relate to any of the subjects that you studied within your major? And how did that impact your academic pursuits? Well, I, I was, I, Ended up taking a lot of Chicano studies classes uh, at Stanford. Uh, I had enough classes to minor in it, but I just messed up and didn't fill out the paperwork <laughs> to have the minor. Um, but that was like, I, I took those classes because I was really interested in um, just learning more about about my culture, about the culture um, in the larger world. Um, so that was that was a huge piece. And then like in political science, I think there's a lot. I also really uh, enjoyed, uh, there was uh, an urban politics class that I took and just seeing um, how, you know, just how like city politics uh, impact folks. I think that was something that like you just, you continue to see how uh, 
like not just like not just for me as Mexican-American, you know, not just for like for like I grew up in a small town. So I wasn't like I'm in a city and I can see myself living like that. But just seeing there's a lot of folks, a lot of folks of color in cities where the city politics uh, have huge impacts. And so there's I think that's always been something that's been on my mind about that as well. Thank you so much. Were there any specific moments or experiences where you felt the impact of being a first-gen student? If so, how did you handle those situations and what did you learn from them? So there was one time where it was like right around Thanksgiving and we, you know, everybody, like the people I was around, like we were like, all right, everybody say what you're thankful for, you know? And I was just like, I'm just thankful to be here. And it was like really sincere. And I was like, um, I wouldn't say it was like emotional about it, but like, I was like on the edge of emotional about it. And people were just like, what are you talking about? Like, they didn't understand. <laughs> like, oh, you know what? Like, and they just didn't get it. And, you know, and I was like, oh, I was like, okay, that's fine. You know, that's fine. But it was just like my experience. It's not the same for everybody, but then like I realized I just needed I just need to be able to share this out a little bit more and I think it's also it also whenever I talk to talk to students um, now I always try to make sure that you know we we're selling we're celebrating everything you know I want to be their cheerleader with with all of the things that you know that they're doing and just acknowledging them in the space thank you so much I really like how like that specific moment essentially like shaped the way that you currently like are. So now you're just like this like cheerleader who's like, yes, you should be like happy that you are like doing like all of these things because it probably would have meant a lot to you like back then if someone were to just be like, oh my gosh, yeah, you know what? You are right. Like I'm also happy to just like be here and just be existing in this space. Yeah, so yeah, that. That definitely stuck with me. <laughs> I think in a good way. <laughs> definitely in a good way. Were there any specific resources, support systems, or strategies that you found helpful in navigating the academic and social aspects of college as a first-gen student? I think for me, I like I leaned a lot on like peers and teammates. I wish I had. Um, I wish I had gone to more office hours and had just a little more. I want to say like confidence in myself. It wasn't necessarily confidence. I think I'm just like, I just maybe even into the last few years was just really bad at asking for help. <laughs> so if I had just like been better at asking for help, uh, you know, I think I would have had a, a kind of like a more full experience in terms of like having more adult mentorship while I was in college. But I, again, it's one of those things where I, I talk to the students I work with now about, you know, just, um, having, uh, knowing they deserve to, to speak to, to folks and to ask for help and having just a wide range of, uh, like thinking about how they build community uh, and uh, encouraging them to like really think about uh, the groups that they want to be a part of, um, leadership roles they might want to have um, and kind of having them think, think in that way about about how important it is to have, to have, to build that community because people don't necessarily come and grab you, you know, off campus. You have to go to places uh, and make it happen. Right. Thank you so much. I 
I think that even though you didn't have like the full experience, it's just nice enough that you had like teammates that you could rely on to ask like for help. Because I feel like a lot of first gen students kind of do that just like in general is that they gravitate towards instead of like professors or just academic, academic like faculty, mm-hmm. they'll go to more like friends, teammates, classmates, because it's just easier to ask someone who's experiencing the same thing that you are versus trying to go to someone that you think is just unreachable. Yeah, that definitely, that was definitely me, although I did learn pretty early, and I think this is still a really important one, is the importance of class friends too, right? Make friends with people and like, make those friends in class, they can just be your, you know, your, they can be your friend for the quarter, you know, or the semester, (laughs) Um, but, uh, you know, rely on class friends as well, because they're the ones who are, they're the ones who are there with you in it. How did your family and community react to your decision to pursue your specific major, which is political science? They're 100% supportive. I think, you know, my um, my parents had, like just were incredibly proud of me and always supportive. Um, they talked about me going to college for as long as I can remember. Um, so, you know, probably since I was like five or six, I remember hearing about college and going to college and the importance of college. Um, neither of my parents went. But um, I think that was like even more important for the, for like, you know, their kids that they pursue it because um, they wanted that. They wanted us to have, like they wanted us to have a better life, but I think in the way that like they wanted us to have more options than they had, more choices. Uh, so uh, you know, when I, when I picked, like, once I picked college, like, once I picked the college, you know, they were like, you know, whatever, whatever you do is amazing. And they're like, political science, that sounds amazing. <laughs> you know, so uh, I know sometimes, you know, especially in first gen families they are like, well, what are you going to do with X major? You know, and you're like, I, you know, I'll figure it out because I love it. You know, it'll be fine. You know, so there was no, I was very grateful. There was no worry about like, what was I going to do with a political science major, you know? Um, they were just, they were like, that's so great, Miha, go for it. (laughs) (laughs) Honestly, like, I currently just experienced that of just like my parents just going, okay, you're communication major. What are you going to do with that? And I'm like, oh, I'm still learning about all the opportunities that I have during college. I am not going to automatically know what I want to do with this degree until maybe like later down the line, once I get more experience, just working in the field, just in general. Absolutely. You'll find it. (laughs) I also experienced, like, they don't really know what the major is, too. Like, I'm not sure if you experienced that with, like, political science, where they, like, oh, what's, what, what is that? They did, and I would, like, I'd be, like, well, you can go to law school with it, so they're, like, oh, okay, but I was, like, I wasn't going to go to law school. (laughs) But at least I can say that, right? So, <laughs> so that worked for me for a little while. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's what a lot of like Christian students kind of do too. It's just like, okay, we're we're not going to say what the major is. We're going to say what the career options yeah. with the major is. That's what they understand. Just like, okay, lawyer, I understand that. 100%. <laughs> Did financial considerations impact your decision to pursue college as a first-gen student? 
they they did and and um i had a unique situation where i did get a scholarship um for basketball uh so um my options were going to be through a basketball scholarship but it was always like when i was growing up um you know it was like get straight a's because you, you know you need to have an academic scholarship or you know you need to be able to like somehow get your way to college <laughs> Um, because uh, my, my parents were not in a position to save up, um, for, uh, for me and my siblings to go to school. So, you know, that, that absolutely, um, while I was in a unique position, it absolutely also impacted my, um, my brother and sister, um, in terms of like the, the choices that they, they had financially. So I kind of like see how, like the impact that just basketball just had for you just in general while you were at school, because you were essentially just like, okay, like my education depends on basketball. So it would make sense that you wouldn't do like that many like clubs or like activities too. So I completely like understand that because honestly, like that's like, that's so stressful just to like essentially just be like, okay, I got to keep doing this but I also have to do this, like two th- different things at the same time. But it seems like you managed that like amazingly, like from like what I'm hearing, you did that amazingly. So I just want to just like, just say that you will, you have done amazing just oh, to thanks. like, let you know. <laughs> thanks. Sarah. You do have to be very good at time management and organization. Um, <laughs> absolutely. Uh, I, you know, and like, yes, it is like, it is a lot of time and, and also at the same time, I think, you know, I could have, um, like I was doing other things, you know, I was having, like, I had a good time. I was social. Um, and I do think there was, there was time in there, you know, especially as as I think back on it, there was time in there to do, to just do a few more things. Like, I'm not like I needed to be the club president of, you know, X club, but, um, I, I certainly, I certainly had a little more time than I did. (laughs) So did you have any mentors or role models within your family or community to help guide and support you as a first-gen student? I mean, I wouldn't necessarily say I had, maybe, I guess I didn't have examples um, there, Um, but I always felt 100% supported by by my family, um, by my immediate family, and by my extended family. There's just an incredible amount of just like love and pride and support. So I always knew, um, I, I had that, which was, um, like, which was special because it was like, it was just, it was just that it wasn't like laced with, um, conditions. Uh, so I, I always felt, um, I, yeah, I just felt, I felt love and support the whole time. And then plus I had already had that, what they had provided me with, which I think was the most important thing for me was just this, this pride in who I was. So I got to, I got to walk around with that all the time. Thank you so much. I just love hearing how like a lot of first gen students, even though family may not like know what they are doing, what they're studying, what like the future may hold for like their first gen child, they're still just always just emotionally like supportive of like them. Like, no matter what, just like, okay, I have no idea what you're doing. That <laughs> looks like a lot of work. Here's some love. There you go. There you go. That's it. <laughs> <laughs> Special. 
Exactly. I know that at Rainer Scholars, you have had like opportunities to support and mentor like first gen students. How is that like? I mean, it's it's incredible. I I absolutely love it. I work I work specifically with college students, uh, so it's a caseload of about fifty students uh, a year. Um, so I get to have you know kind of like personal like one on one conversations and connections with them. Um, and they're all like, they're all doing different things, right? So they're in different places. I work, I uh, specifically work with students who are like out of region. So it's a ton of students who are in the Northeast and kind of a little up and down the East coast. So not only are they going to college and, uh, you know, kind of first in their family to do it, they're about 3000 miles away from home you know, in, in, in different environments. Uh, so it's just, it's been absolutely incredible just to be able to connect with them, hear about their goals, to help talk through different things, to be helpful when I can. I think we also like, we're a little bit of a safety net as well. Um, and we kind of are that um, you know, that uncle who went to school, um, who has a network of folks. So we are able to kind of, we have that, um, that built-in uh, network and kind of safety net situation uh, for, for students. What advice would you give to other students or future professionals who may have the same experience as you? 100% you belong there. Uh, you know, keep Keep believing in yourself. Keep betting on yourself. Ask for help. Um, you deserve to ask for help. But I, yeah, I say I'd say that like the number one, the number one thing is you you belong. I like how the you belong there always kind of just goes back to when you were at your Thanksgiving dinner and you were just like, I'm just happy that I'm here. Just like like your reoccurring thing of just like you like belonging. Like first gen students belong where they are. They don't have to like worry about anything else other than the fact that they're in. They're they're in. That means they belong. So that means that you shouldn't worry. That means that that first gen student can ask for help. They can do multiple extracurricular activities if they so please to. They can do all of these things that they can set their like hearts and minds to because they belong there. So I'd like to thank you so much for that. <laughs> oh, thank, thank you for articulating it in a better way than I did this whole time. Well done. <laughs> no, but you've been articulating it so well. <laughs> Thanks, Sarah. <laughs> All right. As we're slowly like wrapping up, this is our second to last question. So if you could give yourself, your younger self, a piece of advice, what would that be? Me two things would be like, <laughs> don't be afraid of math classes. <laughs> I would have been a public uh, a public policy major. I love political science, but if I had taken some math classes, I think I was a little more public policy, I think would, would have been my kind of my favorite pathway, but that's fine. I'm glad where I am. Um, and then just like go to office hours. <laughs> it's just that extended, like ask for help. You're allowed to ask for help. It's okay. (laughs) (laughs) I kind of like the don't be afraid of math one, because honestly, I relate to that too. Uh (laughs) Except for me, it was definitely like physics. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Just like math, 
I'm like, math, okay. Physics, no, like no. no. <laughs> I'm just like, uh, that, that's a little bit too much math. <laughs> All right, Milena, as we leave our listeners, if your journey as a first-gen student and professional could be captured in one song, what anthem would you choose to represent the triumphs, challenges, and perseverance that define your remarkable journey? One song. <laughs> I like this is like, uh, this is, uh, these questions are always hard for me. I love trivia. I love a trivia night, but mm-hmm. I am the worst at music and lyrics. I'm like, somebody else has to fill that in for me. I will, <laughs> I will go with, uh, I'm Every Woman by Shaka Khan. <laughs> Thank you for taking the time to listen to this episode of the First Generation Professionals podcast. We hope you found Milena Flores' conversation as delightful and informative as I did. Her experience serves as a reminder that with persistence and hard work, anyone, regardless of background, can overcome obstacles, achieve their goals, and help others. If you enjoyed this episode, please consider subscribing to our podcast leaving a review and sharing it with your friends and colleagues. Together, we can continue to celebrate the wonderful stories of first-generation professionals who have paved the way for future generations. Remember, you too have the power to break barriers and shatter stereotypes in your own story. This has been Sarah Cortez signing off and thanking you fantastic listeners for tuning in. We'll catch you in the next episode. Until then, take Milena's words to heart. You do belong here. And don't be afraid to ask for help.